This podcast was created using Anchor. Boom, 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 Welcome back to the swirl with Bree and Dave. I'm Bree and I'm Dave, and we're the, the swirl, swirl with Bree and Dave. Dave. Um, been a couple weeks. Had the big emergency podcast. It was an emergency, y'all. And uh, so we kind of got off track from our themes, but that's cool. We're back on track this week, babe. We're back on track, and this week our our theme is career. Pew, pew, pew. No, that's for nope, the other one. Nope, nope, nope. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's a big special episode. Yes. Got a big special guest. We have a special guest. I think you're going to like it. I know you're going to like it. And so it, it, we've been doing a lot of work incorporating. And by we, we really, we really just mean David. Thanks, babe. Yeah. Incorporating <laughs> a lot of music into this episode, which is like my thing. I love it. I love when you do it. It's labor intensive, but boy, does it pay off. I think you're going to have a really good time with this one. So let's just dive right in, babe. What do you say? Let's do it. Okay. So I've got a little bit of housekeeping from our emergency podcast. It was uh, the AAPI check-in with Aaron Quill. Which we think you guys really liked. We got a lot of great uh, comments back. And, and Pearl Sun. Yeah. So we ended up posting the whole uh, raw, unedited, uncut uh, footage of the Zoom call uncut. on... Uh, on YouTube. YouTube under it's in I think it's on my channel but you can just look up this role with Brie and Dave there'll be this weird thing where it'll ask you do you mean this role with Brie and Dave Brie spelled like the cheese just ignore that and uh, <laughs> <laughs> click away until you get to uh, the uh, the uh, the podcast with uh, Aaron and Pearl it was incredible um, and uh, yeah so I just want to follow up on that just to make sure that uh, just because we're not seeing it on the news every day now doesn't mean it's not still happening. Uh, we're going to donate to Stop AAPI Hate. We're going to donate to Asian Americans Advancing Justice. And here's something that was on Pearl's Instagram, which I thought was really cool, which I think I want to do, babe. We haven't oh. done this yet. Okay. Um, there's something called Bystander Intervention Training. It's a one-hour free session. It's online. Mm -hmm. And uh, I looked it up. It's very cool. They're, they they are offering sessions like once a day. They are selling out, but there's still some that you can just pick and register for. And you do that at iHollaback.org. <laughs> what a name. That's it. Like Hollaback Girl. Oh, thank you for that clarification. I didn't know yeah. where that phrase came uh, from. Well, that's my guess, but it's uh -huh. iHollaback.org. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and bystander that's, uh, training, yeah, intervention training. So, so we're learning how to. Stand I think it has up. to do with you know if you are. It's the thing. Remember, do you remember that thing with the paper clip or the or the, the Yeah, I thought that was dumb. So I, that's why I'm trying to figure out if I feel like this is worth my time. Well, what I've read about it, and this is being advocated by the AAPI community, so it's not like I don't think I'm stepping in where I'm not supposed to, but. 
Uh, it has to do with things like if you are in a situation and you're encountering someone um, assaulting verbally um, a, a person of color or, or you know an mm-hmm. Asian American or whatever, um, that that you that you how you engage the situation, how you engage with the person being assaulted as opposed to trying to stop the assaulter, those types of um, mm-hmm. strategies, um, which I've seen a lot online in various forms. I think it might be worth checking out. Yeah, why not? I mean, to me, lead with love and compassion and common sense. So to me, I don't need training, but okay, some people do. Well, I don't need training with the love and compassion part, but the common sense leaves me high and dry from time to time. So I I think I could benefit from a refresher. So that's, Absolutely. And a lot of people can. And would you vouch for that, that I could use a refresher and common Always. sense? So Always. So org. <laughs> For the bystander intervention training for me. You won't need it, babe. Um, and then the only thing I want to make sure we do, because we haven't, we didn't get around to it last time, and I think it's a big uh, big piece of news for us, is our vaccination update. Did we have a jingle for vaccination update, babe? I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember, but we can make one now. Go. Vaccination update. da very sexy. Right? In a way, I think we maybe did have one. I have to go I back and check because it sounds very familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it again. Vaccination, Vaccination update. update. Your notes on update were not in accord that I recognize, but you know what? Live. Live your life. I was, you know, I think we had some beautiful harmony like we always do. Update. I don't know why you stayed on Zoe. Mm. Well. Anyway. Um, so here's the deal. Yeah. We got our second shot. But we haven't really been able to talk about it because we got on a... What? By the way, this update is brought to you by Kiwi. By Kiwi, because I've got to have my... <laughs> got to have my Kiwi. Um, we had to rush and get on a plane the next day after we got the second shot. We have had Pfizer, of course, and... David, I mean, why don't you share the kids with the kids your side effects? Well, keep in mind, I'm a 58-year-old <laughs> male, so my my immune system has been through a lot in my life. Has it? So it kind of shrugged off the whole second shot thing pretty much entirely. So the first shot, just to review, I had some injection site pain, uh, and that's it for a few hours. And then the second shot was basically a non-event in terms of side effects for me. Now, for me... I would say about 10 to 12 hours after we got the shot, we got the shot at eight in the eight thirty in the morning. Um, we went to Lincoln Center Hospital. They were great, organized as usual, and they let us both in at the same time. Um, which I would recommend if you and you have a partner or whatever, you make your appointments for the same time or for different times in the day. We recommend you just go together early because they will just do everybody at the same time. Anyway, um, about 12 hours later, I was having it wasn't until bedtime, really. So more than 12 yeah, hours later for you, more like I didn't sleep at all. 14, I was having fever, fever and chills and a terrible headache and body aches and I was like oh lord I barely slept and then I woke up and I felt like I'd been hit by a truck and I finally just let myself take two Tylenol yep because I said I've got to get on a plane and I cannot get on a plane like this and we had been over hydrating with Pedialyte for days and we continued to um, and then once I got on the plane I ate a salad with some meat in it which I hadn't had meat in like three months and I felt better 
So, uh, and that was the end of my, by the second plane, I was pretty golden. But it was about... 12 hours. It's about 12 hours of just, you know, horrible. Um, So, But you know what's more horrible? Not having the vaccine? Getting COVID. Oh, you're right about that. So, yeah. So, yeah. um, That's our vaccine update. That's what? That's all we got. Except, you know, they're available now in New York for pretty much any age over 16. Mm -hmm. And uh, as of April 19th, which is about, you know, probably 10 days from when this airs, uh, in the whole country, they'll be available uh, to everyone. Yeah. Um, So go get your vaccine. I I don't even know who we're talking to because, honestly, all of our listeners probably have it. Except probably you have family back home in some of the other states where you may have some people who are, you know, reluctant and... Britain is getting to herd immunity as of like this week, which means that between people who already have antibodies from having been infected and people who have been vaccinated, uh, they're reaching about 75 percent immunity. And we're on a very much faster track than we were. But that's where we want to get when we get to when we get to herd immunity. And that's a CDC um, determination. Then things will really start to turn around and, and, and be opening and we can start scheduling uh, the return of uh, our lives Oh Lord! in this industry. So that's the benchmark. Well, it was funny. I was reading a number that said it was only like 16% of Americans have been vaccinated so no, far. No, by now, uh, 25%. It's up to 25%. We've gone very fast. We're up to like 4 we million a shots a day. We have a lot of people in this country. Yeah, a lot of people. 300 Jeez. million, 350 million, something Ooh, like that. Wee. So we're up to about 25 million. I believe 25 million, I'm sorry, 25% are fully vaccinated now okay yeah and it's up to it's it's it, it's into the close to 100 million or more who uh have had at least one shot yes but yes. you can get the j and j it's one and done yeah johnson johnson so awesome so that's our vaccination, vaccination update sure okay. um good job babe i think you know what time it is babe what time is it babe it's time for This Week in Gaggery! What do you got? I got two quick ones, babe. Okay. First, I discovered a show completely by accident. It's been around. Oh my gosh, yes. It's been around for about nine months, and they put it together so fast, and it showed up on my Apple queue one day, and I was just like, what's that? And it was called Staged. And it's Michael Sheen and David Tennant, two wonderful British actors, and it's about them being holed up and in the pandemic, having had a show that was going to go into the West End that got canceled, a production of Six Characters in Search of an Author, and the director, who's kind of this very needy, sort of on the cusp of a career guy, devises this idea that he's he's going to try to convince Michael and David to keep working on it in the pandemic on Zoom. Right. So this is based, this is a real thing. These two guys were actually doing this show in the West End. That's the part I actually don't know. That's why I'm confused. I wanted to know. No, I think the whole thing is an invention. Oh, okay. But for season two, they shift the focus. I won't even tell you how. I just got to tell you, this is hilarious. It's so I, I can't stand Zoom theater and it's not Zoom theater because it's all taken on their lives. So a lot of it is actually shot um, among the people, the characters who are already in their homes together with each other. Uh-huh. And they have beautiful B-roll footage of things like 
the West End completely emptied out and the streets barren and abandoned. And so there's this incredible poignance to it, but also just the skill of these British writers and actors and they really understand how to draw from you know the classic commedia tropes to actually create something that feels completely comfortable but also completely fresh and new they know how to graft formula Mm -hmm. onto new ideas it's what Fleabag did so brilliantly and they're not afraid of doing that and they're not ashamed of doing that and they do it with complete confidence and skill and it's absolutely delightful. I sat there just laughing my head off and I literally hate everything on Zoom theater. So that's So staged. Check it out, you guys. It's available on Hulu. 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 It's on the Hulu. What's your other gaggery, babe? Okay, you know I'm a big Nicole Wallace fan, right? No, we didn't know that. Deadline White House <laughs> MSNBC. That's your girlfriend. From four to six. She's like every day at four, like I basically, I get up at five in the morning, I write, I work all day and at four o'clock I knock off to sit down and watch Deadline White House with Nicole Wallace. Well, Mm -hmm. guess what I found out this week, babe? What? So Nicole Wallace had divorced Mr. Wallace about a year ago. (gasps) Oh, oh my God. I don't think I knew that. I didn't know any of this. I was listening to Nicole on the Helen Highwater podcast with John Heilman, who I also love a lot. And he just sort of casually blurted out, so I think everyone knows now, Nicole, that you're dating, and this may not mean anything to you, but she's dating Michael Schmidt, who is the New York Times reporter who covers, like like the major New York Times reporter uh-huh. who comes on to MSNBC all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, they're an item. They're a couple. They're dating. And here's the gag, babe. What's the gag? How old do you think Nicole Wallace is? Oh, um, 44. 49. Okay. Wow, she looks good. Michael Schmidt? I I don't I don't even know because I don't know who that is. I'm so sorry. He's kind of a guy, kind of he's you know skinny, kind of talks like this. Nicole, you know, it's been a Trump administration trope that ended it sounds know. like that. That doesn't doesn't help me with age. Nice looking guy. <laughs> 37. Ooh. So a little bit of a, you know, what would you say? Like a June October oh. <laughs> kind of dynamic. Well, this is a. Uh, is she cougaring him? She's cougaring not really. Him. She's not really. Bit, no, Thirty-seven. It's a, little, it's a little bit of a. It's a little bit of a cougaring. No, 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 no. no I no. think it's the cougaring. <laughs> In fact, the alternative title to this episode is the cougaring. The cougaring. <laughs> okay. Well, that's an amazing gag for you. I I don't know if any of these viewers, I mean listeners, know who those people are, but I'm. Of course, you guys know who who um. Nicole yeah, maybe Wallace you do. Is. Maybe you do. Um, my gaggery of the week is uh, once again another fierce friend of mine. Um, this week I got some shoes in the or between the last time we talked to you guys. Oh, this is I a got great, some shoes. This is a great mail. gaggery. And um, the shoes were designed by a friend of mine. Her name is Chantal Nchako. Okay, Nchako. She is Cameroon and so, African queen. African queen. Yes, you understand. Lit- literally. So she designed this shoe while she was in Italy and it is like zebra kind of a zebra design, but then the heel is like this white porcelain Porcelain. and it's a slingback, which ladies for the summer, you've got to have a sexy slingback and get them toes done, please. Um, And I just want to remind everybody, we are coming into spring. If you're going to have those feet out, let's moisturize those heels and let's get those toenails 
painted. And they don't even have to, have to be painted, but let's just cut them and, and get them down. Anyway. It's got a faux sort of snake skin <laughs> uh, sole, like where you put your foot. Yeah, But it's all it's vegan. It's all vegan. And so the shoe came, and it, com- it came from Italy because it's being manufactured in Italy. And it came in this beautiful box with like this like snakeskin top to it and it says chubiz on the um sh- well it's chubiz really but ch um on the box by Chantal and Chaco limited edition and she's having she had them made by a company that actually brings people's designs to life called Alive Shoes and you could check it out on www.aliveshoes.com you can check it out on Chantal's website which is www.chantaltonchaco.com the website's incredible too the website's incredible or you can also just um, follow her or her shoe line, Shoebiz, C-H-O-O-B-I-Z, um, at Shoebiz. But you all need to get a pair of these shoes. These shoes are really cute. So I'm going to be probably, I featured them on my Instagram, but I'm going to be wearing them in Mexico. I'm headed to Mexico in two weeks, less than. Um, so I'll let you guys know how they wear, but I'm just so taken away with my friends and their ability mm. to put to put out some of the most like grand ideas and dreams during this pandemic. She's also writing a children's book about a little girl who comes from Africa. Like it's just, and it's like autobiographical. It's just incredible. The people that we've surrounded ourselves with, and they've really been managing to put out, do these incredible feats over the pandemic. Of course, our friend Tori is putting out a best, well, it isn't a bestseller yet, but it will be. You know, and seven figure two two book deal with two book deal. And and now my friend is designing shoes and I've got other friends who are designing clothes and it's just like really exciting. So I would uh, I would say my gaggery of the week is just my friends and their incredible resilience. Um, It's inspiring. Amen. And uh, looks like that's it for this this week. In Gaggery! All right. All right. So. Career week. It's career week, y'all. I know last week we had a little pause because we really needed to deal with what was happening in the world. Um, And we needed to hear those voices. And just thank you so much to Aaron and Pearl. Um, This week we're back on target with our episode, which is Swirl Meets Career. And... Gosh, there's been a lot going on with career, which is funny because uh, we haven't been working for so long. But but we have been working. We really have. Yeah. I mean, luckily, I, I, I mean, I've never stopped. And the yeah. moments I had like, oh, I have to myself, I did. I was able to go back into all those old Yes, projects. David has been very, very proactive and productive over this time. Um, for me, as a performer. No, I also blow up by about 25 pounds. And then we took it back down. Okay, what's that got to do with anything? Well, I just didn't want to brag. Like, all I've been doing this whole time is being brilliant and productive. I wanted to actually just, you know, make the point that... (laughs) They already know you blew up. We did a Whole Food episode. Okay, back. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, so um, I haven't haven't had a lot of opportunities to perform. And uh, the only ones that I have had are, like, I do these online private concerts for people. And I do those because, well, they pay real money. People actually, there are rich people who want to have a private YouTube link where they get to see Broadway performers sing. And it's, um, 
it's very cool, but it's very different to perform to a camera, right? As we know. And there's nothing like being on a stage with an audience. And that has been, I have not performed since, uh, what was it? Mid-February of last March, 20, oh, excuse me, February of 2020 yeah. at Lyrics and Lyricists. I did a Jerry Herman mm. concert. And at that, the 92nd Street Y. At the 92nd Street Y. And I didn't know that was going to be my last thing for a long time. On a stage. On a stage. Live. So... Going to do that concert with the San Diego Symphony was a very big deal for me. And I didn't realize it was a big deal, which is actually best. Um, when I was asked to do it by my conductor friend, I said yes, because, of course, I thought, well, any opportunity to, you know, work with uh, this conductor is wonderful. And, of course, they're paying and they're paying, you know, pretty great for coming out of a pandemic. So I'm going to do it. Um what I didn't, uh, I guess I just didn't realize how I would feel like an imposter. And I, I do feel like this, honestly, anytime I have a big opportunity, I always go to myself, well, what, why are they asking me to do it? Why am I, am I, am I good enough? And, and David always has to remind me that like, I was trained to do this. I've been doing it my whole life. There's no one else who could do it like me. Like, I, and this seems so simple, right? But these are the things artists go through. And in this case, of course, this was repeat business this is she'd worked yeah and they turned around and asked her to come back again which was lovely um but very scary to to have all response the responsibility on your shoulders as the only entertainment it's it's me it's four musicians and a conductor and the whole concert i'm i'm singing 15 songs for people and they're all 11 o'clock numbers now this was and it also was shot on 14 cameras which is a lot of the reason why I, I started eating healthy and exercising just to do it, but then it went into overhaul when I found out I was going to be doing this because I wanted to look good from every angle, of course. I'm vain. So... You look amazing from every angle. Oh, Always, very sweet. Very but... sweet. Those pictures prove otherwise, but it's fine. Um... They prove no such thing. <laughs> So I, I would say for me, the career that what I've learned in the last couple weeks, month, having, you know, been prepping, I was prepping for, of course, over a month for this gig because there was new material I was learning and the anxiety that one has before it happens. And then the feeling of just letting it happen, because I realized when I was up on that stage with an inner ear in my ear, oh my gosh, this is all me and like I'm here now the hotel is there I'm the only person on the schedule so it's got to be done and I always have to have a talk with myself when I get in those moments where I go Brianna this is happening whether you want it to or not you need you need to know these lyrics or you need to ask for them to be on the teleprompter like you know it's just it's that moment where you go I, things are getting real so I learned the importance of feeling the fear and and letting it sort of guide you and inform you, but not letting it overpower you, which I learn every time, but I don't know. There's something about being on a Broadway stage and acting in character in a costume that feels very home base for me. Whereas singing on a concert stage and doing my own stuff the whole time is scary. And um, I'm really proud of myself for not letting that make me say no. The other thing that I'm so happy is that I said yes. I didn't even know I was saying yes to something like, to, to what I was actually saying yes to, but I'm really happy 
that I didn't have a choice really after I said yes. It was like, oh, things are going into effect. Things are happening. The contract's being signed. Like, let's go. So I think it's really important for us as artists to remember coming out of this time that it's going to be scary coming back, retraining the voice, singing mm-hmm. openly. Oh my gosh, I ne- didn't realize how off the voice I had been. And when I say that, singers will understand and maybe you will understand if you're not a singer, but there's this sort of other thing you do that creates the sound that people want to hear, but but gives you the opportunity to kind of bail. So you don't actually have to sing on your voice, which is grounded and in your like gut. And I've been avoiding that because we've been in a pandemic and it's been a very vulnerable, scary time. So the last thing you want to do is sing on your voice because it's so emotional. And I, when I had some voice lessons right before the concert, I was emotional immediately because I had I realized I had been avoiding that sound and that feeling for over a year. And that's a scary realization. But use it and use it as fuel and keep moving. Um, also work begets more work, people. So say yes. I know it's going to be scary coming out of what feels like a hibernation, but say yes to those things. Be fearful. Use it as fuel and know that more will come of it, right? So start training again. Um, and, and that doesn't even mean, you know, just for artists. I mean, yes, singers get back into voice lessons, but if you're a regular person, like start really getting, taking advantage of your health and your fitness and what you put in your body and ment- mentally taking time to meditate and, you what know. What you put in your brain. What you, Exactly. Watch what you, watch what you're, you know, taking in every day. Um, because we're going to go back to some normalcy I have in quotes and um, you're going to need to be your best. Expectations are going to be high. Yes, there's going to be more compassion and sympathy for what we've all gone through, but you want to emerge from this better and greater and whatever that means for you, like it's time to start focusing back because things are going to open up soon and um, it's going to be back to work. So that's kind of what I learned. I learned a lot doing this concert just about my own fears and and how to embrace them and kind of mutate them into something I can use later. And um, it was awesome. Now, there is an actual swirly component to our story, which I'm kind of throwing out now because we hadn't really talked about talking about it. But but you go ahead. So I so when I got to San Diego, I won't go into detail, but the first hotel was a no go. And it's a hotel that we've stayed at before. They always put me up there. It was it's usually wonderful, but I think due to COVID, it's severely understaffed and just the quality has gone down. So we ended up changing rooms three different times. And by the end of it, we just ended up changing hotels. Um, And after that, it was all good. But in that first three days, I was hesitant to speak up for myself because I didn't want to come off as the uh, black woman who's hard to work with, who's difficult, who asks for too much, who's a diva, right? So it's not even, it's the first thing of being a diva and asking for too much, like you don't want to be that as an artist. And then, and then the secondary thing is she's black. And I just, I didn't want to be, be the angry black woman as well. So I didn't really, I told the hotel people what I needed, but I didn't really tell sort of the the person who was in charge of the symphony who really I needed to be telling until about like the second or third day. And I expressed my, you know, disappointment with David 
And David had his own. Well, I, in turn, was aware that these things were going on. And I, I'm supposed to be stepping into my role as sort of the husband slash... I asked him to be my manager. Faux manager <laughs> of the... Manager. Sh- oh, oh, is that a new term? It could be. Yeah. But you are a fan. I am a fan. You're right. I'm a fanager. Yeah. Um, and your husband. So I... And I... I'm trying to, um, you know... Navigate. Yeah. Like, when when is the right time to speak and when is not? And I was not asserting myself in a way I might have. And I realized later, after I finally did assert myself, that the reason one of the reasons that had held me back was I, in turn, didn't want to be the entitled white man stepping in and expecting just to have his needs met and his demands you know, acceded right. to. So I was trying to not be that stereotype as well. And so... And then there's just two people who are fearful of being perceived as a certain way. And so nothing's getting done, really. And meanwhile, the producer is an Asian lady with a... With a with, disability. With, with a disability. So I don't want to even... I don't want to appear to her as, you know, the angry, demanding, entitled white man. And, and so... And, and she is also trying to take the cues from us and talk to the hotel mm-hmm, and she has mm-hmm. her own issues you know dealing with the hotel that you know we can't even necessarily understand what they are so it was a lot of dynamics going on that were tricky to navigate we finally did navigate them though we got through it yes. and i think i think the lesson for me was you always have to lean forward into the difficult conversation without being difficult about it and, yeah. and so i was very conscious as i was writing my long, long email at 6 a.m. addressing all the issues with the hotel that I that I couched it in language that was I know we're in on this together kind of language and I'm not trying to be I'm not blaming or being difficult. I'm just reporting out what the situation is as dispassionately as I can so that we can all like work together to improve the situation. And it was really interesting because I had to go to David. I said, I can't do this. You have to speak up for me. Like I can't, I feel that there are too many things I'm navigating and you're the white man and people listen when you complain. So I'm sorry to say it, but it's true. So if you can just speak up for me, and then his hesitation was his own. So it was a really interesting thing that we, I don't think we've ever had to deal with. Not in that way, but mm-hmm. I mean, I think we did. It just, you know, it was we, a little late, but yes, we yeah. did. But I, I love that we got to work together on that. Yeah, and yeah. it worked out. And I think, uh, so my whole thing of learning all those things through the concert and, you know, I learned the things on stage, but then that, that what happened off stage was also very important. So I feel like a little bit changed by the whole, the whole experience. Um, but I know for me, I have, I have very big dreams for myself and I have a running narrative in my head of how things should go in the time in the time frame that I want it to go. And it's it has it hasn't always worked out in the time that I wanted it to. But I know these things as my reality and sometimes they get a little skewed if I don't get a call back or if I haven't heard anything or if I don't book, you know. So David has been really helping me remember that I get to create my own narrative and not to not to discount myself or discredit myself in within that. I think that'd be the only thing I would have to say about career week 
is this idea that in our careers, as in all aspects of our lives, we create a narrative. And it's really important to be aware of the narrative that we're telling ourselves about our journey. Um, and yeah. if it's a, if if it's if you're reinforcing a negative narrative, this always happens to me. I never get this. I'm not very. If we focus on what we're not getting in our career narrative, mm-hmm. we will perpetuate it and suffer from it. But we really can. And I'm not saying this is easy to do. And I'm not saying you're going to do it successfully every day. And there'll be days where you are leaning into the negative narrative. But the other narrative that when you flip it around to what you actually have accomplished, mm-hmm. given especially all of the things that were pulling at you and, 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 and the winds that were against you, you can shift the narrative and create more of the positive narrative. You really, really can. And if, and if you can't, at least you're not beating yourself up and torturing yourself all the time, which will only bring more misery to yeah. you and those around you. I'll, Sounds yeah, easy. All of that energy that you not. spend worrying or giving the negative uh, outcome, like life and space in your heart and your mind, all of that energy could be shifted toward the positive outcome or toward your art. Like, you know, of course, when we when the pandemic happened, we were like, oh, my God, we're done for at least two years, probably. And that was really scary. But David took that and went, "Okay, yes, I'm very worried. But what I can do is go in my office and rewrite these pieces that I've said I was going to do for however many years and make sure that my catalog is on point for when we do come back. And that's that's like an incredible example of someone using that energy that could be worrying about money and the future and turning it into something positive. And only good will come from that type that, of positive action. And yeah. it actually, there's stuff that's actually resulted from me having a catalog exactly. that I can't even talk about yet, but it's all going in the right direction. Work begets work. So that's going to be. That's kind of our wrap on a, Career Week um, because we really want to get to our guest. Um, so I'm very excited, you guys. Our next guest is going to tell us about the ultimate career pivot. She is a Juilliard-trained singer, actress, and songwriter who has become not only an accomplished Broadway star, but a successful recording artist to boot. Discovered by Mr. Barry Gordy himself, Morgan has released a number of studio albums, including Hunter, Morgan James Live, Reckless Abandon, as well as her uh, full album covers, the Beatles' iconic White Album and Joni Mitchell's seminal Blue. Her most recent album, being Memphis Magnetic, is a love letter to Memphis, Tennessee. On Broadway, Morgan was in five back-to-back original companies, The Addams Family, starring Nathan Lane and B.B. Newirth, Wonderland, Godspell, and Motown the Musical. Yes. As well as Never Kristen. Forget. Yes. As well as Kristen Chenoweth's 2019 concert series for the girls. If you want to learn more about Morgan or download music or get updates on her upcoming tour schedule, please visit www.morganjamesonline.com. And when we come back, we'll welcome to the show my peer, my friend, and my sister, Morgan James. (laughs) 
so Morgan James. Hi. How are you? I'm great. Oh my God. Doug as well as I want to know him. We only met Doug. I yeah, mean, y'all, y'all would uh, be thick as thieves, the two yeah. of you. You're both. I think so. Yeah. You're yeah. both sassy. You're both sassy. <laughs> um, Doug is Doug throws down in the kitchen. He could cook a big vegan feast. I'm oh volunteering. My God. Oh, that's right. To our listeners, Morgan is plant-based. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Life is different now. Okay, everybody. So we know Morgan James. Well, David and I know her for, from both different parts of our lives. David, how do you know Morgan? So I met Morgan James at uh, Motown the Musical where we work together. I mean, we actually, I've actually worked with the great Morgan James. I wrote lines for her. David and I would like, basically, I would just glance over when something would be not working. (laughs) And David would be like, giving me an eye. And I was like, that, that man gets it. Yeah. And so I knew that like, I could laugh with you. It, like, yeah. so we, I would always be like, if no one in the room would acknowledge something was suspect, David would. <laughs> that's about, wait, that's what we have in common. No, it's really true. There were two things that basically happened my first day when I walked into the Motown, the musical rehearsal and I had delivered my pages. The first thing that happened was that Brandon Victor Dixon, who I'd never met before, rushed across the room and gave me this huge bear hug because I had written these Marvin Gaye scenes for him. And, you know, that was amazing. And the second thing that happened was <laughs> that once we started to do a read through, I would be looking over at this Morgan James. <laughs> She'd be giving me, and I'd be like, I, I heard it too. I heard it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So those are yeah. the two, those are the two things. And, uh, you know, and thus a, a, a beautiful collaboration was born. We ended up, exactly. Mor- Morgan James was playing um, Doris Day. Uh, for many, 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 many months. Wait, did I for a know few that? days. And then, well, and that lasted all the way until the first preview on Broadway. And we all looked at three, it. And- I have to, I have to tell you. So I was, I was hired because the the breakdown said needs to look like Doris Day and sound like Tina Marie. And I was like. <laughs> I was like, and she did me. both. Wow, you are right up that alley, though. And she I, did I both. Mean, and it's funny because the people I, I saw a few other actresses in the and I never go into a waiting room and like I'm always like someone else will get it because I'm a terrible auditioner. But I walked into that waiting room and everyone else there was like we sh- we should all leave. I was like yeah I think we should. <laughs> and, and I actually walked in. David, you weren't there, but like for the first workshop, I walked in. BG was in the room. Mr. Gordy was in the room. Everybody was there. And I said I walked in. I was like this is me. I dare you. Yeah. I dare you to find a more 
<laughs> you know, and I'm never like that around auditions. Right. It fixed, it, this is me. So, but Doris Day <laughs> and, and Emilio Sosa made me the most oh, incredible yeah. dress I've ever worn in my life. And it got, the whole scene got cut after the first preview. <laughs> Oh my God. And by the way, yeah. that scene involved a Ford Motor Factory assembly line of cars that were hanging from across the entire apron. This set that got this David Corrin set. The whole thing got cut. Completely oh my gone God. after the first preview. So and it was and it was an amazing scene too. It, it was. like made other things make sense. Right. You know, but why but why use that? But why? <laughs> We uh, we were we were running long, Morgan. Theater. We were running really really long. It was well, long. Now, we were running long. Something had to go. But 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 what I remember before I met Morgan was I'd be in the room with with uh, Barry Gordy, you know, working and working and working. We'd be talking about this Doris Day scene, and I had not met you yet. And this Morgan James was all Barry Gordy could talk about. And I was like, I, whoever I was this little... woman is. He is madly in love with this woman. I was his favorite. I I was. I, you really I'm kind were. Of like, yeah. I can attest I, to I that. Mean, I mean, it's one of the most, I mean, it's him him coming into my life, me coming into his life. Is, I mean, it changed my whole, the whole course of my life. Talk about that. You know? Well, you know, when I met Mr. Gordy, I, so many people, for our listeners at home, that's obviously the founder of Motown. And so many people people want things from him all the time. He's a very rich, very powerful, legendary man. And so I just did not, all these people were always like dressed to the nines and stepping to him for things and wanting mm -hmm. things. And I was like, I'm, I'm a cursory character. This is just going to be a fun ride. And so I really didn't have that energy. And I'm, I'm very, I was surprised when he would, um, when he took such a shine to me. And so I think that because I didn't have any expectations, it led to this really beautiful friendship. He ended up coming to, he always just took a, a an interest, a special interest in me and, and took me under his wing and said that I reminded him of Tina or reminded him of whoever. Right. And uh, came to see a show of mine and, downtown and like came incognito oh like my god came to rockwood music hall and, and um i and he like hid you know and people started recognizing him musicians and stuff and after the show he was like um you know he said oh you did great i'm proud of you whatever and then he a few days later he called me and said i'm thinking a lot about about your show do did you ever get um the record deal, I know you wanted to get a record deal. And I was like, uh, no, no, I didn't just stumble upon <laughs> one. <laughs> and he said, all right, uh, call Doug Morris tomorrow. And it was a, this was a oh Tuesday, right? Tell everyone who Doug Morris is. Doug Morris uh, is no longer at Sony, but a huge player in the music industry, was the president of Sony for many years, was like responsible for, I mean, Miley Cyrus and Adele and, uh, so many huge acts were basically, be, I mean, in Doug Morris, Sony Music, before that he was at um, Universal, president of Universal. And he was the co-producer of Motown the Musical on Broadway. Yeah. So he and with, uh, he Gordy. was partnered, he used to be back in the day, he was partnered with Burt Burns. He made all of Burt Burns music possible. He discovered um, Janis Joplin, like major, wow. major player. And so Mr. Gordy said, uh, call Doug Morris on Wednesday. So Wednesday morning, I called Doug Morris's office and he goes, ah, I've been expecting your call. Come by the office today. And so I dropped everything and I went to Sony by myself. What I took did all these you meetings. Wear? 
Well, <laughs> the really important questions. What it's did really you wear? funny you say that because when I started what became years of going to Sony Music, um, I, I became so obsessed with like, what do I wear? Like, I didn't have a stylist. I didn't have anything right. like that. And I was very self-conscious going into that building every time. It was very oh, yeah. weird. So I go to this meeting and he's like, basically says, you know, Mr. Gordy, like thinks you're like the most talented person he's met in decades. I was like, wow, wow. that's amazing. And he said, so I think we need to get you into a studio and have you make some demos and see what you're like in the studio since you've never made a studio record. And I was like, okay. So he brings in, <laughs> I don't think I've ever told this story, but he brings in he calls like that day, Jerry Wanda. Do you know Jerry Wanda? No. He did some of the Fuji stuff, incredible producer. Oh. And he has a studio called Platinum on 46th Street, right by the Lunt. Wow. Oh, and I, I was doing Godspell at the time. Yeah. And I started going to Platinum after shows at like 11 p.m. and working through the night on wow. these demos. Wow. So I they la reed i so la reed gets brought in because he was the head of epic records and um the doug morris and la reed come to the studio one day and listen to me what i sound like on on and they do this big ceremony they come in a limo they bring their assistants and they listen to my playbacks and they do this big ceremony of shaking hands and being like we found her and i was like huh like this is so weird and the next day they call me in and they give me a record deal like wow. an old school record deal and i was like it was crazy we found her wow well this is <laughs> oh, good yeah. this is a good story for career week on swirl Korean day because this is career yes, week this is incredible right. so you were you were leaving godspell and going next door to platinum to do these demos yeah. for Sony. Yeah. And by then, were we, we were, where were we in the Motown process? That you, um, we had... they were, they were almost, it was before, I think it was before you got involved. It was um, when before we had done like one workshop, one workshop. we were about to do another workshop. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so they signed me to Epic Records. And also I might add, I had already auditioned for Epic Records and all the other labels in New York had been rejected. Wow. wow. There you go. So I I always like to say this, but it's like just knock on a different door. Like go to the other side of the building, knock, 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 and maybe wow. somebody will let you well, in. You were you know? honestly, you were knocking from the inside at that point with Barry. I was. Yeah. And you and so you literally just showed up to audition for Motown the musical. That's how you got the job. You got it just a straight audition through your agent and you were just right for the Did you audition? Yeah. I mean, okay. I Tell it was through Telsey and Telsey. I got you know five Broadway shows through Telsey, so yeah. they knew what I you know right, it was. Right. I was had a friendly relationship there. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm a terrible auditioner, so it's it's not really like booking. It's not really my my ministry. But um. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do the let's just do the quick uh, connect the dots from Pocatello, Idaho, to mm. um, to you're in that room that Telsey is getting you these, uh, these auditions. What's, yeah, and what's then the I do want to get to when I met Brie. Um, okay, sure, that's coming. <laughs> but that's, that's the peak of everyone's career. I Trust know, me. I know, sure. no, I know. Um, I, you know, I, I was in Idaho when I was a kid, then I was in California um, for my teen years. And then I auditioned for the Juilliard School there you go. Um, and I 
you know, that, that changed, you know, there are a few things that really changed the course of my life, obviously getting brought to New York and, and, or getting the opportunity to come to New York where I felt like I belonged and, um, going there. And then I, after Juilliard, you know, everybody, it's funny because everybody's always like, so after Juilliard and then you started doing Broadway. And I was like, no, no, no. Hmm. I like <laughs> waited tables and was a nanny and right. bartended yeah. for right. a decade, you know, and wow. it was a long, long process for me. You know, I didn't so get my stupid. first Broadway show until I had been in New York for 10 years. That's wow. really interesting. Yeah. So that's for all the kids who are thinking it's going to be, yep. you know, right out of school and yep. you're going to jump into a Broadway league, which they are doing now. Uh, well, <laughs> they've some, always some, been doing that. Some of them always have been doing that. trash. Some people, <laughs> some people, not that you're envious. <laughs> some people, are, you know, that's the path. That's but actually, happened. Brianna, that was kind of your path too. I mean, to be fair, you, you, you yeah, were but about- not. I wasn't leading a show at 24. I was in the ensemble, you know, with a nice solo, but yeah, I wasn't leading a show. Solo. There are kids coming out like 19. Yeah. So anyway, I will say, so speaking of Juilliard, so Morgan has classic chops, right? She got you classical life, right? But somebody had told me, somebody was like, do you know Morgan James? And I was like, no, I don't know her. And they're like, you should watch this Seth Radetzky clip where she's singing, she sings in all these different voices. And I was like, okay. And then I remember I watched it, Gina, I think it was Gina. And she was like, isn't she so amazing? And I was like, yeah, she's great. I mean, she does what I do. (laughs) I was over it (laughs) because I'm rude. I remember when I met you, I met you, Brie, at, uh, we, we had been cast to do the Bernstein yes. Mass yeah. with oh, Philadelphia yeah. Orchestra. One of the best experiences of my life. Of my life, and, yeah, to date. And an incredible cast. And when I met you, you know, you were like, yeah, somebody told me to check out Morgan James. And I thought, <laughs> is this another whack of the belts? <laughs> and and then I realized, no, she really she really <laughs> sings. And I was like, you know, biggest Literally compliment coming from. Literally spoken to you. I hadn't spoken to you. Not really, yeah. but that's and how me, I would like it. I don't need some some <laughs> niceties. I need it straight. I need you to tell me well, straight. That's how I give it to you. No, literally, uh, I, not a chaser in sight. Okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, I um, yeah, you know, it's um, it's everybody claims they can do everything, you know, and yeah. nowadays, like everybody, and because unfortunately, no one can be a specialist anymore because we all have to take every single yes. job that comes our way. So when someone so says, true. do you juggle? Do you speak French? Do you belt? Do you sing soprano? Everybody's like, yes, yes, yes. You know, in order to get jobs. <laughs> do you roller skate? <laughs> yeah. These jobs are, are scarce. And so everybody says yes to everything. And I get it, but not everybody's good at everything. And not everybody, you, you, Brie, truly are one of the only people I know that genuinely does everything so well you are such a master of your craft and you are such a a devotee of genre and style and that's why I beyond liking you as a person I'm just a fan of your art and your singing and you know I hate everything you know, know so that's true, <laughs> so, true. we I have that in common yeah, we all have that same. in common yeah like they're just you know when I watched you in the mass I was like oh she <laughs> She knows what she's doing. And then I'm watching you in Motown and I'm watching you just on stage with an audience in the palm of your hand. And I'm like, oh, and she's a performer. But like the genuine kind that you can share yourself, not just a character, which is Mm -hmm. a really hard skill to learn, especially for like the kids nowadays in musical theater. And uh, I, I 
feel the same. I respect you so much more than I respect most people in the business. And I respect your hustle and just like how you've been able to make this career. And the reason that Barry Gordy loved you is be, loves you is because you are genuinely so freaking talented. That's true. Thank you. Very good at what you do. Um, and you do a lot of things well. And I'm just going to uh, elaborate on the point you were talking about, about people feeling that they could do everything. Cause like, people say that a lot, like <laughs> they don't understand. We do everything. And I'm like, do you know, do you do everything <laughs> like, well, but I also think Broadway is to blame for this, right? Because now we need less people to do more things because we don't want to pay people. Right. So you have to be able to juggle and sing soprano and belt and set yourself on fire, you know, and, yep. and do and tumble like you have to be able to do that it's not even people wanting to to get a job it's just like you also have to stage manage you know let's not forget oh the color God, purple I had know. a principal character and also she was a stage manager which kudos to her because she's actually turned it into an incredible career shout out to phoenix best but like what is that what yeah. we're doing now yeah. so uh, all that to say you are a true like woman who can do everything and I love that I want to hear the story about the dream. <laughs> so share with us. And, and do we know what the project was? Because it was really, it was actually really just a brilliant concept that it really got executed perfectly. So bravo. Oh, thank and, you so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, a couple, Chris, few Christmases ago, I, right before Christmas, I genuinely had a, a dream that I was playing Jesus and Shoshana Bean was playing Judas. Wow. I had never even thought of this before. And I, and it was, um, my friends were coming over, Iodele and Toria and Richard were all coming over for dinner. Yeah. And I said, oh, I had this dream. Wouldn't that be amazing? And they said, yeah, when are you doing it? And I was like, I laughed, you know? And so I, I didn't even have Shoshana's number. I got her number from somebody and I texted and I said, hey, it's Morgan. I had a dream that you were Judas and I was Jesus. And she's like, when are we doing that? <laughs> <laughs> so basically we organized um, a concert version of the show and it was it it was um a crash course in producing i had never produced yeah. anything like that outside of my own music in you know, my own shows it was like all female orchestra band all female cast i basically just 
picked my favorite performers and put them in roles they would never get to play. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. and we did this amazing concert. We only got like two days of rehearsal. It was totally down and dirty and um, sold it. It sold out in a couple hours. Yeah. We sold wow. out the Highline Ballroom and the, from the beginning, it was, it was plagued with different difficulties with the different, um, you know, really useful group and the Android Weber faction. And mm -hmm. it, was, it was very difficult to get it up on its feet. So that's, so then, I'm, I'm, I'm just really not to get too far afield, but I'm really interested in what the process was to get them on board. And to the extent you were able to get them on board, you weren't able to use the title Jesus Christ Superstar. Is that correct? Well, this is way, this is later. So first we did the concert and everybody thought it was amazing. And they sent 20 people from the Andalid Weber company to come see it and Davenport and all these people came and they all loved it. And um, Imogene Lloyd Weber came, all these people came and the people who manage the theatrical side are a completely different company than manage mm. the the um, dramatic licensing side. So mm. two completely different factions of people. Wow. So we thought there'd be no problem in, in we wanted to make a concept recording. So I, I went forward in raising money through Pledge Music to make a concept recording full on like the one in the 70s. Um, in right. fact, the it's so true to the original recording that you can play them simultaneously and they're identical and, and we click mapped every single measure. Wow. So, um, you know, I love stuff like that. I'm so, I nerd. so have a foot in it. <laughs> yeah. I'm a nerd, yeah. And I, and I love, and I love classic things. I love vintage things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and things were pretty much started going wrong immediately. You know, um, we would lose investors. We would, they would, you know, the people, the folks in Android Weber's camp were like, oh, you can't release it yet because we're planning this. And oh, can't release it on this date because we're planning something. So they saw us as competition. And we're um, like, we're not, we're not competition. Then Pledge Music went bankrupt and we lost all our money. Whoa. That's so, a funny story yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. So Pledge Music went bankrupt uh, February of 2019 and mm. we lost all our money. So we were, we've been um, kind of, uh, it's, it's been, it's been a lot of hurdles. We ended up just kind of starting to release it digitally in waves. Um, we, uh, and now we're just pushing to finish it. They finally told us, yeah, of course you can totally release the whole thing. We're just, um, we don't know when. So we're planning on releasing the entire score in the fall. I only want to say If there is a way Take this cup away from me For I don't want to taste its poison Feel it burn me I have changed, I'm not as sure as when we started And I was inspired Now I'm sad and tired Listen
Surely I've exceeded expectations Tried for three years Seems like thirty Could you ask as much from We made a new logo and we called it She Is Risen. And, and we'll probably, when we release the whole thing, we'll either, we'll call it, you know, Jesus Christ Over Start, She Is Risen. I don't know what we'll call it, but. That's good though. I love that. Yeah. 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 I love She Is Risen. It's, it's just really so good. strong and mysterious. Yeah. It's so good. So Nick, we want to talk about, I want to know your musical influences. Oh, yes. All right. My musical influences, um, <clears throat> I have different kind of idols and influences and go-tos for each type of music. You know, I, yeah. I go to like in musical theater, I'm very classic. I love Audra and Marin Maisie and Judy Kuhn and Carolee Carmelo. And I love a classic voice. Yeah. I, and I love a unique voice it's like Bernadette Peters. I miss when every voice sounded different. Mm -hmm. I love you know, when it comes to my own music, obviously I like the voice is Aretha and the soul is Nina and the lyrics for me is Joni. And for when I want to think outside the box, when it comes to writing melody, sometimes it's Paul Simon. So oh. I think one of the best to ever do it, I think is Donny Hathaway. I think he has everything. I think that Ray Charles is maybe the most complete performer we've ever known. And, you know, I have these different kind of influences. Mm -hmm. D'Angelo, Prince. Those are, you know. Oh, right now. Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch and The Mercens? Of course. Okay, just checking. <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch it, but I heard a lot. I, yeah, we, Doug and I covered Black Messiah 30 days after it was released, the oh, entire album. Oh, whoa. Where yeah. is that? On YouTube. Oh, shit. Everybody go to YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I love D'Angelo. I love Prince, obviously. Um, but my, you know, singers, I mean, I, I just like, 
I'm like a student of, of female singers in particular, you know, Ella and Nina and Aretha and Servan and Carmen McRae and um, Betty Levette and Sharon Jones. And I have so many, Susan Tedeschi, like yeah. so many singers that I just love that, but you know, it's all, my influence is black American music. That's my whole life is devoted to black American music. And how did that come about being from Pocatello, Idaho? that that's what you gravitated to? Because I obviously relate to that, but but what was that journey to get to, to that being the Well, influences? I mean, I haven't lived in Idaho since I was, you know, eight. So it's right. like, it's it's a long journey. It's a circuitous path, you know? Right. So it's like, it's, it obviously I moved to California, like Idaho is a very white place. And then we moved to California where it's, you know, there are lots more influences. And then right. I moved to New York when I'm 18, where there are lots more influences. Right. and. Um, thankfully I was brought up on great music and mm -hmm. great music is a gateway drug for other great music, yeah. you know? So if you are, if you are brought up with any good musical and artistic influences, you're going to find who influenced them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, I always say this to students, whether they're in musical theater or they sing pop or what, or they write, I say, you know, all right, who do you love? And they list four or five people. Okay. Who do they love? Right. And then who do they love and who influenced them and who made it possible for them to make music. And your job is not done by liking a couple people. That's why it drives me insane when I'll see this is an unpopular opinion, but when I see people like Billie Eilish and their influences are like um, Lana Del Rey and Amy Winehouse, I'm like, okay. And <laughs> right. that's not yeah. it. That's yeah. not, that's not a foundation mm -hmm. for, for art. That those are two people who made something that you like. So anyway, I'm I'm going off the rails, but no, because they had influences. I mean, Amy Winehouse's influences go back a hundred years. Okay. Yeah, but even though I mean, the, even that it's it's pretty, it's it's a pretty to me it's pretty far afield from like you really got to go back further. You know, mm. I I don't I don't feel I like that album. But I really like I I pretty much only listen to people who are like entrenched in their own process and and really come from a tradition. Coming from something is everything to me. I don't like to I can't listen to anything that feels like it just comes from nothing or it feels like a facsimile of something else. I just I hate it. And I've gotten way snobbier as as I've gotten older. <laughs> And I just, I want to hear somebody who, and I can hear when I listen to singers, I can hear who you've listened to. Hmm. I can hear if you've never listened or if you've never, and you can tell in a conversation if someone's read a book and what books they've read. Uh, I can certainly know? tell by somebody's lyric writing who they yeah. listen to and who they've been Absolutely. influenced by. And, Absolutely. and whether or not they've got a breadth of experience with the canon that yeah. they're purporting to be a part of. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Yeah, so, so it, it never ends, you know, who it doesn't you, end. Who do you like right now, aside from Morgan James? Who do you like right now? Anyone? I I think there are people that, you know, I, it's not that I don't like anything. It's just what we're, the radio is obviously incredibly segregated in terms of what, what we're given. Um, and I I'm sure there are lots and lots of people making great music out there. We just don't hear them in the mainstream. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, there's a lot more, I, I, I could listen and read until I die. And there's still, I still won't hear all the things I'm 
I'm supposed to hear anyway. So I don't think I'm missing much, but if w- w- when somebody introduces me to her or to people like that, you mm. know, I, I totally, I listen to everything that comes out every Friday, mm. you know? So mm. I think that's part of my job too, you know? That's awesome. Um, I want to know, so we're doing this new theme where every week we have a different theme and your week is career because we just, we find your career to be endlessly fascinating. And we have been talking about like what that effect is, what the pandemic's effect is on our Mm. careers. And last week we we talked with Katie Weber, who has sort of pivoted from Broadway dancer to nutritionist and author. And it's, it's just so cool. And I'm wondering like, cause I know you're working on stuff um, during this pandemic. So tell us what you've been up to and can we expect a new album? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I released a new album a year ago and exactly a year ago. And, you know, my plans for, we had months and months of touring planned yeah. and, you know, closets full of merchandise planned to sell. And, and that whole plan was obviously derailed much, you know, just like the plans of many, many artists and people in the country. Yeah. So it was put on pause and, um, we basically last March started doing online shows pretty much every week, sometimes twice a week. Oh. So we've done a, an online show every single week since March. And we did a um, hundred straight videos last, last year. We started in March. We did a hundred straight days of videos, quarantine themed. Mm. And um, simultaneously, every Saturday we do a show on Stage It. And we've been doing private shows. People hire us still. Thank God that people are still hiring musicians to play virtual shows. Yeah. And, um, you know, in some ways, it's like I have a little bit of survivor's guilt because I, I've i been able to continue making music every single week, <laughs> you know, know, throughout this yes. pandemic. So it's like I am I'm really thankful. I, I do feel slightly guilty because I, I know that it's it has not been easy for most of the artists that I know. I can totally relate. I feel like. The private concerts, thank God, are the ones that pay. So, you know, I'm grateful to do those, but I've been kind of out of, you know, the the public eye because I've been doing these private ones. And it's so great because, you know, I've been so blessed to be able to do one every like one or two months. So it keeps me up on my repertoire. It keeps me learning new material. It keeps me singing. So I don't feel as out of practice as I'm sure some people do. I've I feel fine, but it, yeah. I, I do feel a little bit guilty because I'm like, oh God, there's so many people who aren't working who don't get to work, you know, practice yeah. like this. Yeah. Um, and definitely don't get to do it for money. So we're blessed in that way. Um, I have to, yeah, and I, you know, I'm quarantined with my husband. So we're able to, well, that's, you know, the, that's know. the thing to feel, <laughs> I feel a little guilty about just that I get to be with, you know, with my best friend. And but also and, you're yeah. with a fellow, yeah. like incredible artist who yeah. will play yeah. all day for you, you know, yeah. and I'm with an incredible artist who will write lyrics all day and give me notes on performance. Like he it's, we're so dependent on each other. Yeah. Um, we bought a piano recently. Cause I was like, we, we're musicians, right? Like we need a piano in our house. I can play with chord symbols and the books I bought have no chord symbols. So I need somebody to- Look, I don't even need to play it. I just want to have it to be able to, if I need to sit down and go through music, I want to be able to do it. And it felt like 
shameful that we didn't have a piano so we got yeah. it and now, now his stuff is spread across yeah. his his show is everywhere his yeah. anthologies yeah. and i'm like so well, we got this for me though right? like, <laughs> i was gonna practice my i wouldn't say that i wouldn't say you got it for okay you. okay well but no but it is nice to have that like to be able to share it with my husband and like we're both able to sit and sing at the piano like it's just oh yeah. god it's so necessary we're spoiled in that way we have each other well, hopefully this will be over soon. I'm fine staying in, you know, I, yeah. I'm like, I, right. I'm, I have a tour booked for November and December and that will be the first time I will be back to kind of normal. And, and you know, it's so funny because I think I'm going to really have to get into um, I, that mode because it sounds so exhausting. Like I, you know, a body in motion stays in motion. So when I mm. was traveling every single day, it didn't seem weird. And I, didn't even know how tired I was. And mm -hmm. now the thought of packing 17 bags and two dogs and four guitars and flying every day, I'm like, how do I do it? I don't know how to do it anymore. Wow. It sounds so tiring. <laughs> so this isn't gonna be in November. Yeah, we're, we're recording a new album in July, a Christmas album. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, we've never done a big classic Christmas album. So we're gonna record a new album in July oh and- yeah, my excited. favorite thing is at Christmas time playing all the new albums. I love it's holiday so music. Cool. I love it. Don't you? And then when it's your friends, you're like, this is, some of these are really bad, but like I'm playing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Morgan's will be really good <laughs> No, though. Morgan's will be great. Mine, mine ain't but I can't good. wait to hear your takes on things. It's going to be Thank awesome. Thank you. Yeah. yeah so are you I'm, doing original I'm, things love... or are you doing covers? What are you doing? We're going to do uh, three originals and probably seven covers. Awesome. Amazing. Yeah, I'm excited. By, by originals, that'll be things, that your, your compositions, you and Doug. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to Memphis. We're going to use the same band as my last album. So it's going to be an extension of my last album. And and we're just going to, we're going to jump back in, you know? All right, let's push some downloads here. So what are the names of your albums so the kids can go and look you up and download you? Well, all my music is available on every platform and on my website and on Amazon. And, uh, you know, my last album is called Memphis Magnetic. You can get Quarantunes, the songs that we recorded in quarantine. You can get She Is Risen, Volume 1 and 2. You, um, you can get Reckless Abandon. All my music is available. And my YouTube channel. Go go there and subscribe. And that's yes. how most people find me, you know, is on my channel. And um, and I, I just encourage people to, you know, go wherever they want to listen. Because people listening is the most important part. It's, it's um, however people want to find me is great. And if you look for Morgan James and She Is Risen, you will also find uh, a, a track or two with uh, the great Brianna Marie. Just a track. Just a track. <laughs> it's just a track. She's fantastic. Listen to that. <laughs> it was very hard. Oh, you got to just, just mention this. Hmm? I mean, the fact that what you were required to do was not change any keys. So all the women had to sing in all the men's keys, even when it meant the gashrai was extremely, uh, you know. Well, we chose that. Oh, Honestly, it I sounded the, amazing. It does sound amazing. It's I, thought, amazing. I yeah. thought that was a it was a demand of the really useful estate, but no, you actually when we, wanted when to do we, it. When we did the live show, it is a requirement because, and also we, what we're, we weren't going to like reorchestrate the whole show. Right. Like, right. you know, so then when it sounded so good, we were like, why would we change anything? Yeah, it really did. It sounded amazing. It's a great mm. challenge, you know? Well, with that. With that. Thank you. Morgan James. It's been a delight. It's always a delight. 
Look at that face. Look at that face. I wish you all could see it. Thank you they for will. having me. Yes. Oh, wait, let me do a screenshot. Everybody smile. Okay. Uno, dos. It's... <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, my God. There it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> there it was. It's so good to see you both. Thank you for doing this. Thank, Thank you for you. making time and actually caring how you sound. She was like, should I use an interface? I mean, what what, what kind of vibe are She's we She's a giving? pro, babe. I, no, I understand. She's a star. See, this, this season, we're moving on up. So the kids are giving us, oh, yeah. you know, mics. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to in this pandemic. Everybody better have a mic and a, and a blue that blue thing that blue everybody screen. has. The the oh, oh, the screen, the backdrop. You have it. Oh yes. yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> She's got two of them. I've got two of them, darling. Options, you understand. She's her own gaffer, <laughs> right, best right. boy. And, and no, that's uh, you. That's you, honey. That's oh, I'm the best uh, boy. Let's and go. you're and you're a very and you're a very spirited reader. I've seen your work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. Everybody has come at me like, why is listen, he reading like that? Listen. <laughs> meanwhile, listen. meanwhile, my husband will not even, he, he's like, my husband is so talented, but when you put a script in front of him, he like, he suddenly can't, he's like, and then this all, like he oh, reads no. like he's like Morgan, in a play in kindergarten. It's so funny. Morgan, I will, I will volunteer to Zoom uh, read oh, your, um, your auditions. I will You definitely... don't have to worry about the delay because he will jump oh, on yes. the cues. Uh, like listen, you're so good. I'm trying to keep your, trying to keep it moving. You know, it's if so you're behind much. the table. You want those cues to get picked up. You don't want to wait. Oh my God, David. <laughs> <laughs> He's fired. Oh, oh my God. God. All right. Have a wonderful day. We love you so much. And yes, I we're going to get together so with much. you and Doug ASAP. We come into the brunch. Let's do it. Yeah, baby. We're doing it. Actually, that'd be really fun. <laughs> that'd be really, would you come to the Boogie Down Bronx? Absolutely. Yeah, we did it the other day. We're, we're like pros now. All right, we're doing <laughs> yes. it. Yes. Yes. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Love Bye. you. Bye. Mwah. Before we even met, I missed you I think I loved you Before I knew how I'm not a bad man, baby But I'm glad I put it all on you mm, No way I know now, 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 and I don't mind waking up to a love this good, and you're mine by design, and baby, it's understood. That every time I hear you call, I'm laying you down before you fall, and you'll be waking up to a love this good. Had to give it up. This
to go there and rate, uh-huh. review, go and subscribe. Well, if you'd like to follow us on social media, I'm Brianna Marie and he's Dave Lyrics. Music for this podcast was written by Bo Black. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time on The Swirl. The Swirl.